Have you guys enjoyed this series? I've actually enjoyed talking about it. I thought it was a really fun one. We're going to conclude it with a sermon on membership. Why membership matters. As I was preparing this, I like humor. I like spicing it up with humor every, every chance I get, honestly. And I actually had too much in this when I had to tone it back. Because I felt, as I was preparing it, this actually is a pretty serious topic. We don't treat it very seriously today, I don't think. And that's why I wanted to treat it a little more seriously than we normally, normally do. Well, more seriously than I normally treat things, maybe. I do, I do like to laugh. It's true. I hope that's okay, because I just really believe that's valuable. You should come to church and enjoy it 99% of the time. Why does membership matter? Well, first of all, we've done a terrible thing to church membership, right? We think of membership a certain way in our culture, in America, and most of the time... When we talk of being a member of something or having membership somewhere, we're talking about something like this. We're talking about maybe a health club. You can be a member of a health club. You can be a member of Costco. Praise God. We have a Costco in Kalamazoo. I love them. Or you could even be a member of a country club. I have a country club up there, and that is really a swanky looking place. I can't believe it. It looks like a marble street. That is astounding. So I'm a member of a fitness club. I'm a, a gym rat, born and raised, and I'm a member of Family Fitness because they gave me a better deal than Planet Fitness, and they had more of what I wanted. Does that sound like a good reason to switch gyms? Yep. Same money. They had more heavy things to pick up and set down. They had a steam room. Planet Fitness didn't have a steam room. They have larger facilities. They have less rules. I can actually occasionally grunt there or make noise, and they don't have a, a small, scared desk attendant show me the door. You know, So I'm like, this is a better place to work out. I'm switching my membership. So I canceled my membership at Planet Fitness. I was very polite. I resisted the urge to say all the things I was thinking. And I scooted over to Family Fitness, and they were glad to have me. And I've been grunting and lifting and dropping weights, and it has been phenomenal. But I switched my membership because they had more of what I wanted, more to offer for a better deal. We have a membership at Costco because when I go to Costco, I get good stuff cheap. There's no better way to put it. The Kirkland brand, man, it is spot on. That's their, their store brand. I haven't had a bad Kirkland product, and they are cheap. I don't know how they do it, and they give special sales. They have internet sales. We get 2% cash back because we're executive members. It's a great deal. I'm a Costco member because they give me good stuff at a good price. I get good stuff. And if you were a member of a country club, I've never been a member of a country club, but you get things for that, don't you? You pay a fee and you get amazing facilities. You get to socialize with certain people. You get stuff for being a member. And the primary reason... You become a member is to get stuff. get stuff. My 12-year-old is first. Thank you very much. Well, we are inundated in a consumeristic culture. Consumerism is the water in which we swim, right? So this idea of membership, it's only natural. We take it from the marketplace, and we think about church the same way, right? How many churches are on Oakland Drive? Like, Eight, ten? Oh my goodness, it's crazy. We have a plethora of churches to choose from, just like a plethora of gyms. So what is the difference? Sometimes in our minds, not a whole lot. 
This is a quote, it's kind of a long quote, it's from one of the best little books I ever got in my undergrad called Stormfront. And this is from chapter one. And they're talking about church marketing. Here we go. What could be better news than to hear that the God who called the universe into existence wants nothing more than to make us over into what we most want to be? Not only does this message by itself leave much to be desired, it is also symptomatic of a widespread problem within the church today, which is to confuse the gospel with an infomercial and the community of God's people with vendors of spiritual goods and services. I included a picture of the book because I love it, and I think everyone should get it. We treat church like we're selling something. God doesn't need to be sold. We go to church with the same consumeristic... I hope that's a word, because I've been using it. It is now. I worded it. I just worded it. We take our consumer mindsets and we go shopping for church the same way and it's created a tragedy and there's a comical video I'm going to show you now which is the end result of this mindset. If we were to be honest with ourselves, this is the church we are looking for. Are you guys ready for me church? looking for that kind of church, but a lot of churches feel an obligation if they want to be competitive in the marketplace of churches to provide something very similar to that. I'm just going to call that gross because that is not in any way what God intended a church or church membership to be like. Although I must add, getting a tune-up and an oil change while in church sounds like a win. That Maybe just one Sunday we should do that, you know, as like an outreach, because that that actually sounds pretty killer, I've got to say. But that's not how the Bible talks about church membership. Did you know that church membership is in the Bible? Being a member of a church is biblical. We're going to look at what that means. We're going to talk about how the context is far more serious and much different than we think about it. And we're going to end with an alternative to church membership. Did you know you can be in the body and not be a member? But you might not like, like where that goes. So let's head there. Fingers, toes, and tendons. 
Listen to St. Paul talk about church membership in Ephesians 3.6. He says, This mystery, the mystery of the gospel that he's proclaiming, is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. We read by this, and I've never looked at the Greek ever before in my life, but I looked at it. Mark Morris encourages me in the Greek because he's taking Greek and he's always using Greek and he's just so darn cool. So I'm, I'm getting more and more interested. Maybe I'll go through the trouble of learning it myself. But members together of one body is one Greek word that means like same bodied, like body sharers. Isn't that interesting? You're like in the same body, literally. Ephesians 4.25 and other verses in the New Testament use a Greek word for like limb, arm or leg. We're limbs together in this body. So literally members in the sense that you can be dismembered. These things, arms and legs. The Bible talks about being a member of the body and what is the church? The body of Christ. Church membership is actually in the Bible. Wow, but this means some things for them back then that were assumed. Membership is assumed. This is Snodgrass, love our buddy Klein Snodgrass from last week on Ephesians, Ephesians 3, I believe. The union between believers in Christ is so real that the Christians are members of Christ's body. Christians are assumed. Somebody say assumed. Assumed to be so intimately joined to Christ that they are a part of him. And those italics, by the way, are in his original. Those are his emphasis. And they did take it very seriously. It is assumed that if you're in a relationship with Jesus, you're, you're so close to him, you're a part of him. And it was assumed that if you're a part of Jesus, you're also a part of all the other believers. If you read the New Testament, one thing will stick out among others, and that is that they took Jesus, the faith, the church, and each other very seriously. There wasn't a spectrum of 30% in and 40% in and kind of out. And, you know, it was, it was a pretty, pretty black line. Are you in or are you out? Are you taking this seriously or are you not? Membership was assumed. It was also not an option. Look at John writing in 1 John 2.19. Again, this is the the guy who writes about love all the time, but he also wrote about some pretty hard-hitting stuff. 1 John 2.19 says, They went out from us, that is, out of the church, for they did not really belong to us. If they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going out showed that none of them belonged to us. You can't just leave the church in John's eyes the church in general, I'm not talking about leaving one church now on Oakland Drive for another church on Oakland Drive. That happens. You can still be a Christian and do that. He's talking about leaving the body of believers, just walking out, being dumb. He sees a contradiction there between doing that and saying you're even following Jesus at all. In fact, those deserters, the verse before, are called antichrists. Pretty strong language. This is what Augustine said about this passage. These church deserters, these antichrists, they're like bad humors in the body of Christ, the church. When they are vomited out, the body is relieved. <laughs> Dang. Strong words. If you're not in, get out, and we feel better that you're not here. That's harsh. But guys, they're talking about something so serious. 
so dear to them, so central to their very lives, the church, being members of each other and members of Christ. They take it seriously and they use strong language. I'm afraid that we don't do that enough. And if I had to be extremely honest, I I looked at church history a little bit. Lots of the different denominations, they all have ways of deciding who's a member and who's not and keeping track. You know, keeping track of how many people you have in your church is not bad. That is an innocent desire. Wanting to know if you're shrinking or getting bigger is not bad. That's a great reason to track membership. Wanting to know if you're effectively evangelizing, not bad. These are all good reasons to want to know how many people do we have in the church. But in every church I've been to as an adult, membership, I feel like this is sad but necessitated by our culture, membership is the way we ask you, are you actually serious now? Are you, are you really, really, really serious? I mean, you've been here for a couple of years, but are you going to commit? And now we have people that want to be members, but they, they still aren't sure on the commitment part. This is a very strange time to be a Christian, and it would have seemed very foreign, I think, to these first century authors. But what does it look like to be a member? If you sign the piece of paper, if you don't, if you're in the first century, if you're in the 21st century, what did it look like? What did it look like to be so intimately involved in each other and Jesus that you were like a member of the same body? And I think I have three points that I may or may not have borrowed partially a little bit from Mark Morris. (laughs) Partially. But it definitely looks like these three things. It looks like you have people to serve, you have people to submit to, and you have people to receive from. And when I say people, I mean a local gathering of Christians that you would say, this is my church. This is my sacred gathering of believers. That's also assumed all over the Bible, that you've got one. Let's talk about people to serve first. Is this good? Amen? People to serve. If you're a member of a local church, this will describe your life. You have to abandon the thought that church membership is primarily about what you can get. In my letter this week, which I apologize for my letter last week not being clear, turned out to be quite a debacle. I'll apologize again here. This one is much more clear, and it talks about this. It talks about using whatever you have to serve other people. And this is so central to the New Testament. It's so central to church. Members, different parts of the body, exist to serve the body. Members of a church exist to serve the the church. That means that whatever talent or gifting you have is an obligation to serve your fellow brothers and sisters in that way. Did you know that's what the worship team is doing? Right? That's actually what I'm doing. Somebody's like, hey, you you talk good. Awesome. I'll serve that way. I'll preach. It works. Let's look at some verses on this. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now note, he's talking about function. He's talking about finding your function in the church. Where do you fit in so that you can help the body as a whole? We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now he's going to talk about some functions. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then guess what? Give encouragement. And if it's giving, 
then give generously. Find your function and do it. Serve the body. You're not here for you. This isn't me, church. This is them, church. This is the way church is supposed to work. Giving, by the way, super important. Not just your gifts, but also financially. And this is all over in the Bible, and we'll talk about some of that later. But we won't hit it too hard. Relax. That's coming up in about three weeks. But I'm not going to say exactly when, because I want everybody here. No, I'm kidding. It's terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> if it's to lead, this is the last point. Paul says, if, if, you're, if your gifting is to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to do... If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Leading is actually a service. Someone say amen. 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 Here's two verses squished together from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 and verse 12. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Do it. Say common good. Common good. Awesome. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. F-Y-I, this little word parts, guess what it actually is in the Greek? That's right, same word for limbs. All the limbs, we are limbs together. We got some arms, we got some legs, literal members for the common good. That horse is deceased. We need to be serving people with our giftings. If you don't have a group of people that you can say, this is the group of people that I serve in this way, this is the group of people I pour my talents into, you don't have a local church. Let's move on to submission. Bodies have heads. Self-explanatory. Human authority, although Jesus is the ultimate head, don't not hear me say that, but human authority has always been part of the plan. Always. From the very beginning. Jesus picks 12 guys and puts them in charge of putting other guys in positions of leadership who put other guys in positions of leadership. Read Timothy. Read Titus. If you are not submitted to a local authority... You're not really a member of a local church. Now, I'm also not saying that you can't be part of a larger network and maybe you're just like Pastor Cameron is submitted to authorities, but they're not, you know, in Kalamazoo necessarily. They are around, you know. But I'm talking about for most of us. If I can't say, I answer to this guy, then I need to question whether or not I'm actually really submitted, involved, a member of a local body with headship over me. Does that make sense? Yeah. And don't think that this means there has to be someone to yell at you. We do this with church authority all the time. We're like, oh, I don't like authority because those are those people that always find problems with you. Well, I hate to break it to you guys, but the authority in the church shouldn't have to do that that much. And do you know why? Anybody have any guesses? My mom? Yes, that's true. Very true. Very spiritual answer, but not what I'm going for exactly. Sarah, but you still, I'll give you an 80%, okay? No. The reason that authority shouldn't have to call us on the carpet that much is because we should already be having those kinds of conversations with each other. Every brother and sister in this room has the authority to say, hey man, this and this and this about you, I'm not so sure about that. Can you explain to me? Right? Or, hey, you did this and this is what I thought of that. What was your intention? Oh, it's the big C word. It's confrontation. Guess what? We need to be able to do that. Just like we can congratulate each other, we need to be able to say, hey, I'm not so sure about this. I think you might be wrong here. Or, even more specifically, you hurt me. You messed up and we need to sort it out. 
I say that just to say this about authority. Think of submission this way if you don't like submission to authority. Ask yourself, who do I have in my life that can promote me? Who has the authority to promote you? Who can say, come up here, fill this role. I think you'd be amazing at this. I just want to honor you. Do you have anyone in your life that can do that? You know, we need to change the way we view authority just a little bit. Let's look at some verses about authority in the church. Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Beautiful verse. (laughs) Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this. Have confidence in them and submit to them. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. You don't want grumpy leaders, do you? Be nice to them. Help them. Help them help you. Hebrews 13, 17. 1 Timothy 5, 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church, and don't kid yourself, it takes authority to lead. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. That actually is most likely referring to money. Especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. 1 Timothy 5.17. And one more. This is from Paul. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. He's had this letter read publicly to the church. It's being read to everybody, just like I'm speaking to you now. And this is the last part of the letter. Look around the room, guys. Pay attention to those people that aren't paying attention to me. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Wow. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. Dang. Authority is taken pretty darn seriously in Scripture. If you're a member of a local church, you're going to have a group of people, and these are going to be your people. It can be ever-expanding, and it should be, but these are the people I'm serving, and you should be able to say, this is the person, these are the people, these are the elders that I serve. I'm submitted to them. Yes, they can correct me, but they have authority to promote me. And everyone else would listen to that. And there's one more thing. You need people to receive from. And this is the one we like. You know, it's not all hard work and sacrifice. It's not about us, really. It's not primarily about what we can get. But guess what? We do get something in church community. We do get encouraged, don't we? We do get held up. We do get supported. We know that we have a safety net of people that is strong. The Bible talks about encouraging each other a lot. Encourage each other with spiritual songs. Encourage each other with prophetic words. What's prophecy even for? Does anybody know the verse? Encouragement. Encouragement. Thank you, Carrie Miller. It's for encouragement and building people up. Paul is like, man, I wish all you guys could prophesy. P.S. Prophecies to encourage the church. Receiving encouragement, receiving support is super important. And if you refuse to be a member of a local church, you're also refusing this. That's unfortunate. Now, there is so much in the Bible on encouragement, naturally. I didn't focus on that for my sermon. You know, we're going to focus on something having to do with correction, but it's pretty cool. We support the body and it supports us. Here's a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You guys know who he is? We're reading his book upstairs. He is pretty awesome. He says this about bearing with each other. We support the body, excuse me. He who is bearing others knows that he himself is being born. 
And only in this strength can he go on bearing. So we serve each other so selflessly that the line between me holding you up and you holding me up gets blurred. It's just this wonderful, beautiful, mutual encouragement and holding and supporting. Wow, that's the way it's supposed to work. We need to be able to receive that. And here's a neat little gem that I found. This is Galatians 6, 1 and 2. And it sounds kind of spiritual, but if you, you dig into one of the words, it kind of takes on a whole new dimension of meaning. Paul says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. All right? Now, this word here, restore, very interesting word, because it doesn't mean, hey, you need to get right. That's not what he's talking about here. It's actually a medical term. The verb is instructive, John Stott writes. It means to put in order, and so to restore to its former condition. Check this out. It was used in secular Greek as a medical term for setting a fractured or dislocated bone. It's about getting a member right in the body. That's communal. Somebody messes up, there should be enough spiritual people that care about fixing that injured member. If a toe gets dislocated, we spend very little time being angry at the toe. We immediately try to fix it. Amen? Somebody in the church is a dislocated toe, the last thing they need is to be pointed at and say, I can't believe they got dislocated. You go to the doctor and you pull that thing back in joint, right? You put some ice on it, you take care of it. That's another thing we need to be willing to receive from each other. And it's something else we need to be willing to give. So why does membership matter? It was so important in the early church, it was assumed. Assumed. We need a body to serve. We need leaders to submit to. We need other people to support us. If you don't have these things, you don't really have a local church. But it occurs to me that I want all of these things. I used to not like authority. I'm over that. Because now I know that authority is actually my safety net. You know, they're actually my guide. They actually provide vision and counsel. I used to not like receiving things from people. And then the Holy Spirit did something and I started crying all the time. I was talking to Joshua earlier and he was talking about crying. I was like, dude, I'm a crier, bro. I'm there. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was like 45 minutes to an hour. I'm like, why am I still sobbing? How is there more water in my body? You know, I just received comfort and support. I have grown to crave these things about the local church. We need it. But there is another option. There is another option. Now, you may be thinking... The church is great. These are a bunch of nice people. They do good things. They'll, they'll give me money when I need it. They'll give me support when I need it. I don't really want to submit. I don't really want to serve, you know. But golly, me church is real, and I found it. If you've been to New Day, those are some giving, loving people. So let's say you went to New Day. Let's say you went to the main campus, and you decided, what I really want is just to not give anything and just kind of hang around on the outskirts and just take. Because they'll keep giving because these are great people. Ten years could go by, you will never be a member. You know what you'll be? All right, all right, all right, I'll go back, I'm 
sorry, that was a gross picture. Yeah, you're a parasite, right? You're technically around the body, you're on the body, but you're not giving anything and you're not submitted. And when you're done taking, you'll just drop off. Wow, that happens. But there's another option. What if you really like, man, you really like everything about church and you still don't want to submit to the local church and it's still not the boss of you. You're your own independent thinker, right? But you're going to dive in as far as you can without getting too much under the gun. and You're going to get really involved in church systems. You're going you're gonna to get on the worship team now. Your goal isn't to serve. You're just totally awesome. Okay? And this is an opportunity to be totally awesome in front of a bunch of people. You're going to be a speaking elder. And you're not really viewing your teaching as service. Let's just be honest. They're lucky to have you. They are lucky to have you. You're not submitted. You're not really serving. Your heart's all wrong. You're taking, taking, taking. And it's a little worse because you're not this guy. Because you're actually involved in the church. You're inside the church system. You've graduated. <laughs> you're still not a member of the body. You're a little closer. You're inside now. I, I would say that's a tapeworm. And no, people who are listening on the recording, I did not have an actual picture of a tapeworm. It's a cute little cartoon drawing. But those things are repulsive, right? Yep. Who's read the book of Jude? The book of Jude is about these kinds of people. But Jude is not repulsed. He's angry. And he uses some of the strongest condemning language I've ever heard in the New Testament. This is some of it. He says, these people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualms. They're shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind. They're autumn trees, which should have fruit, but they're without fruit, uprooted, twice dead. They're wild waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars, for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. You know, I've never really paid attention to the intro to this book. Jude says, I wanted to write to you guys about our amazing common salvation. He wanted to write this amazing, beautiful treatise on what it meant to be saved. But he's like, I've got to write to you about this. We've got people that aren't really members of the body that are hanging out, and they're an issue. And it's time to get rid of them. Augustine would say it's time to puke. Is that gross? Is that serious? Almost uncomfortably serious in 21st century America where we just want me church. For crying out loud, where is me church? Just give me the address. My car needs an oil change, right? This kind of, of membership, this type of commitment, seems a little countercultural, seems almost a little dangerous, but it's the way it is. We need to take it this seriously too. Membership was assumed. We need it. We need a body to serve. We need leaders to submit to. We need other people to support us. At the end of the day, it's got to be harder to be a tick and a tapeworm than it is to be a sheep. It's got to be. Because I have fallen in love with being a darn sheep. The longer I'm a sheep in a healthy church, the more I like it. And I think that all of us would share that experience. In fact, if that's been you, if you've learned to fall in love with the local church, raise your hand. Amen. Come on. Don't raise your hand. You feel like, that was terrible. I shouldn't have done that. I'm taking names right now. <laughs> Let's pray. 
Let's pray.